Welcome to the podcast series about our textbook, Indigenous Education in Australia, Learning and Teaching for Deadly Futures, published by Routledge. This podcast series is hosted by Marnie Shea and Rhonda Oliver. We are the editors of this book, which is a collection of chapters authored by Indigenous and non-Indigenous educators and researchers on a variety of topics on Indigenous education. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on and the lands of the peoples where listeners are tuning in from today. In this podcast series, we explore the chapters with authors, providing listeners and readers of the text the opportunity to hear authors yarn about their chapters and provide further insights about some of the suggested practice implications on their topics. Today I'm yarning with Kath Koff, who authored the chapter Learning on and from Country, Teaching by Incorporating Indigenous Relational Worldviews. Welcome, Kath, and thank you for sharing your time and knowledge with us for this podcast series. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, who your mob is, and where you're from? Yeah, sure. So my name's um, Catherine Koff. I'm a Yoda Yoda woman, so I live on, um, come from the Dungala. Um, the the river, the Murray River, but um, we I do currently live in Jarrah country on the foothills of Leonook, which um, a lot of people know as Mount Alexander in Victoria. So yeah, I'm I'm living off country. I have four gorgeous kids. Probably it's more through the non-indigenous way of introducing myself. I'm a I'm indigenous practitioner residence at La Trobe University, and I'm the CEO. We've currently just become independently run and led of a, a Nalderun Education Aboriginal Corporation. Can you please share with the audience your background in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander education? Probably started when I was 19. I started tutoring mob families. It ended up being it used to be just I was meant to be tutoring one, and then that being just group of kids around at 19 I started that so that was a long time ago so probably uh, you know 25 27 years I've been working in education working with our mob working with kids that don't fit the the system or the system that doesn't fit them um, and working with family and community so I have a variety of different roles all of it is about education in some shape or form and it's not just uh, it's educating um, uh, because I'm a registered still currently registered teacher still going to the schools and still teach the curriculum through culture and country so I'm still practicing now Um, but yeah ultimately my whole life is about education not only for our kids but for teachers and for the wider community, that tends to be how it falls. Excellent. In your chapter, you explored uh, learning on and from country. Can you share with us what some of the main messages are that you wanted readers to take from the chapter? Yeah, sure. I think the biggest thing is, um, Marnie, is through the years of working with our kids, and seeing what works in it and, and what engages them. So not just what works, but where they thrive. It, it's all about the relationships. It's all about having the relationships with teachers. There's that component. And the other component is in re- regards to uh, how country um, in and out, how, how important it, it is, how possibly detached a lot of non-Indigenous people are. They don't even know what country's outside the door. So there's that component. And also, too, what's really important is often – Teachers or other people say, "How can? What can we do to help? Where, where do we start?" Uh, my first point of call is, "Who are you?" Because I think uh, a lot of people they tell tell us what what they do, but for us, it's really important of who they are. Where do they live? What country do they come from? You know, where do their ancestors come from? Um, so, what I'm hoping that people will get out of the chapter, because it's um, I'm 
I've probably been in this um, area for a long time now. Um, I'm being very patient, but I get tired of people saying that they have fear around um, teaching or having a having a go even of uh, teaching and about the true history of this land and its people. We aren't asking you for subject in the chapter. Sorry, I'm not asking you to teach about culture. I'm not. I'm, that's not what it's about. It's about teaching ways of teaching. It's about ways of seeing the world, which we um, see the world in, in quite a different way. Hence. Indigenous relational worldview, and that's why um, I find if people start teaching all students through that framework and real or re- at least realise that there's other ways of seeing the world and that people don't always want to see it in a particular way, that they can come into the classroom with a different mindset. And I have seen that. Um, so I've created a subject at university completely around this model and we are really seeing some massive changes in how um, pre-service teachers are coming out. In regards to, first of all, it's understanding there's different varying belief systems and how we see the world that don't go straight into just teaching a book because often they're about dreamtime stories or teachings as the elder in my community calls them. That's like I, if you don't know how to teach it, then don't first teach ways of teaching. That Our kid, uh, uh, there's a way of teaching um, all students in a, in a different way and a lot of it is about um, connecting back to country, building relationships and we have found in our years of not just myself, there's a lot of other um, elders or aunties and uncles that are educators that I hang out with on a daily basis and it's really, um, they're the key, we have found they're the key things to engaging our kids but also engaging all students and engaging so many kids that don't quite fit the system or learn between the four walls of a classroom um, or even those that do. Yes, and so many important messages in there, Kath. Thank you for that overview. Are there any additional practices that you think in general it would be good for teachers to know before they start practising in classrooms? Read First Nations. I mean First Nations because I'm talking across the world, uh, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that are in education, that have written in this space. There are so many. I I currently am teaching a subject at university where I've made it, I've just made a decision that they only, they, you know, they can reference others, but they have to reference Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander academics in this space because of how our voice and how we speak is different in regards to this. So that's one thing I think is really important. Let's start reading in that space. There's a lot already out there. Let's. There's so much amazing curriculum written by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Let's start using that. We recently did a massive Black Lives Matter event, and to be honest, when first was asked to do something like serious, I've been waiting for a long time. Like we've been on this fight. We're on this fight. Our ancestors have been on this fight. We'll continue to be on this fight. This is not what. This is not new. What came out of this seemed to be the um, this influx or this um, awakening of a lot of other um, Australians in this space. Sort of saying is it's there's too few of us doing too many things. We're exhausted and we will continue to keep going. We'll continue to often, you know, uh, in a loving way, but we do get frustrated when you're constantly banging your head against the system that's not changing. I had someone ring me up one time and say, oh, Kath, you know, I'm just ringing because I heard, you, you know, you um, the Aboriginal and you work for the Aboriginal community. Um, so I thought I'd check how disadvantaged um, people are going in COVID. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you must have the wrong phone number. And it's like, what, what do you mean? I said, well, 
we're, yes, we are our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but we're actually thriving compared to others during this time because we've stayed together like a giant family. We've just adapted like we've always done and survived. I said, what we've done is we've actually had to change our services to help other Australians in this space because there was that they live in isolation from each other, not living like a community, not like a giant organism that were there to support each other. I said, we've just adapted. None of our services stopped. Mm-hmm. So I said, if you're wanting to talk about strengths and what we can offer the wider community, I'm happy to talk, but we aren't disadvantaged. Um, you may see us that in your space, but we are, you know, it's like change, again, changing that mindset. So that's the biggest thing, I think. It has to be that. So this chapter, I was really excited. Excited. I felt I was really honoured to be asked to write in this in this book in the hope that you know that we can be working and moving forward together, changing how the system is structured for all our kids because it's not just our kids that love learning about country. That's for sure. And so on the futures orientated yarning we're doing right now in imagining a better future for Indigenous education, what is your vision for excellence? in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander education? That's a beautiful question because I'm a dreamer. What, the biggest thing for me is sometimes I use the word flipping or sometimes and someone says it's probably not flipping, Kath, it's in, in, inversing. I understand policies about closing the gap. I don't use that term um, to, in talking to our kids because it brings about a deficit approach. It brings about that our kids are very intelligent and they're very well aware of what that means. That means that we're lesser. For me, looking into the future is literally looking at the rest of the community, realising how awesome and deadly that we actually are, not just in how we do song and dance, in the way I think we believe we're the oldest scientists in the world. I believe in how we have relationships with each other is amazing, our relationships as country, even though dealing constantly, dealing and adaptive with massive amounts of trauma. If it's literally seen that, that just maybe, maybe the system as it stands isn't actually the best system. It's not the best system for any of our kids. And I'm not saying that you have to change everything, but I'm happy. Let's just make a start and and understanding that there are ways of different ways of seeing this, the world, there's different ways of seeing the country that we're living on. And let's like to bring that in because we've seen it, Marty. We've seen we've seen kids come out to the meeting place where we do it the way that we want to teach through ways, different ways of teaching in whole different methods and strategies. Um, we do ways of teaching, uh, you know, about content in a very interconnected um, way. Um, and how it's always weaving in and out of country and weaving in and out too, which um, some of our kids, my gosh, they say the most amazing things. And because of how we see our kids, that, that we, we are learning from them every day. Like we had a group of kids, you know, um, talking to us about the dreamings always. So why are we only teaching from a long time ago? And so they're creating their own teaching. So it's that constant weaving in and learning. Uh, the greatest change that we could, doing education is taking the ego out of situation, assuming that we don't know everything and start having actually having conversations, you know, with our, with our kids in the classroom, all kids, you know, really getting to know who they are and what they, what they need because I think, you know, they're the future and they're coming out so loud and proud about who they are. So we need to just shake up what we think a classroom looks like because when our kids aren't the only kids that aren't thriving in it. I've been in and out of schools for so many years now and kids are craving it 
adults are craving it. I mean, someone said to me at one time about, oh my gosh, it's this bird that, um, you know, that it was so loud. And I said, it's always been loud. You've just never heard it. You've never taken the time to sit and really learn from country. Some powerful uh, words from you, Kath. I'd like to thank you for sharing your time and knowledge with us for this podcast series. Oh, thank you very much, mate. It was just an absolute pleasure. I love that this was a component of it.